But at the end of the day, if we're all after the same thing, which is not only the truth, but it is public safety and and public information, then let's inform them together and let's be transparent and, and incredibly forthright together so that people trust us. Hello and welcome to Shop Talk, where we talk about what's going on in law enforcement and the Scottsdale PD. Now here are your hosts, Chief Jeff Walter and Sergeant Kevin Kwan. Hey everyone, welcome to the 16th, yep. Kevin, the 16th episode of Shop Talk. I'm Chief Jeff Walter with the Scottsdale Police Department. Excited to be with you again this month. And uh, another wonderful guest on, well, uh, Rachel Cole, we'll get to her momentarily. Uh, excited to, to really talk about PD and media relations, which and I, know, I, I know some of our listeners out there are like, Oh no, the chief's talking to the media. Yes. And so, uh, really excited to have her on. Um, Kevin, wow. It's, uh, it's November. Yeah. I can't believe it. It's already the end of 2022, but uh, excited to be with everybody today. Uh, A lot going on. I mean, a lot going on for those people who don't uh, know in the, in the police department, technology plays a huge role for us. And last week we rolled out a completely new records management system, which is a big deal. In fact, in the 28 years since I've started here, I think this is only the third or fourth records management system that we've had yeah. over that span of time. And that's a big lift. So a lot, lot going on uh, technology-wise in the PD, drones and records management and com- computer automated dispatch, new new systems, new jail management system, new rep- automatic ticket writers yeah. and collision data. But it's all in, in to help us to get to the... 2022 and be progressive and be in the front forefront of it just because of how technology runs. And, uh, when I started 15 years ago, we, we had this same records management system. So jumping into it, how you guys went through and, and found the technology for us is leap years ahead. Yeah. And the fact that now records management is, uh, it's in the cloud, that whole system's in the cloud. <laughs> and I remember when we, before we first started talking about the cloud, I'm like, why do we keep talking about what's in the clouds? I don't understand. <laughs> I did. I opened yesterday to the uh, um, in Scottsdale. We have the Real Time Crime Center National Association has their very first their inaugural technology conference that opened up yesterday, and they asked me to speak at it right at the beginning. And I, 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 I think I bombed. It was like a night at the Improv. What happened? Well, you know me. I, I like to throw out. I, I, I like to have fun. I like to throw a lot, a lot of jokes out. Yeah. And I shared with them. I said when I started in 1994, that the report writing software that we were using in Scottsdale PD in 1994, I pulled it out of my pocket. It was called a pen. And, and crickets. Yeah. Like <laughs> when I knew, I knew who the cops were in the room because the, and I, cause of what I said was I said, I pulled it out of my pocket. I said, here's my report writing software from 1994, <laughs> along with my tin on my steering wheel. You know, the t- so Rachel, Rachel knows about this and feel free. You can weigh in, even though we haven't introduced it yet, but you, but, but your dad was a cop and your brother's a cop. The tin was where we held our tickets and we'd put it on the oh, steering yeah. wheel and write our reports. Your dad's certainly going to remember oh, that. Yeah. It's a tin clipboard. <clears throat> yeah. Right. And and so held everything. Th- I saw cops laughing, you know, especially because they were older like me. And then I said, do you know what records management, our records management system in 1994 was a filing cabinet <laughs> for that year's reports, right? No, that no, year's it reports. It was. Ready? <laughs> Ready? Here. Just look at another child. <clears throat> we... That that year's reports and that year's tickets were in filing cabinets, many, many rows of filing cabinets. And then past years, ready, ready, ready? You're going to know this term because you're a tech guru. Past years, reports and tickets 
were on microfish. Oh, I remember going to the library and seeing those. When you were a kid, right? Yeah. 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 So microfish That's was hilarious. You'd pull it out uh, by by report number, you'd pull it out and it'd be like a clear card that essentially had think of it as like almost like a photocopy of the every page of the report, but it was miniaturized. Yeah. And then they would put it in a microfiche m- machine yeah. and hit print and it would print the report out normal size. Did you I have know, Rachel's did you looking have viewers? Like, like, oh my God, I'm you're mind a, blown. Oh my God, you're a dinosaur. <laughs> but that was in what I shared with them in the tech conference was that's in the span of one career. Yeah. The, the complete change, right? <clears throat> and so that's so strange to me. So in in that's in the nineties. That's not that far. That's not that long. Stop it. It is, it is pretty Stop far. it. You and Rachel People looking at me like, oh my God. It's 2050 than 1990, sir. <laughs> it's crazy to think back like that, though, yeah. isn't it? It's perspective. <laughs> that's awesome. A lot going on. A uh, lot going on in the community. We, uh, last night was a great night for us. We uh, yeah. graduated the 63rd Scottsdale Police Citizens Academy, yeah. um, which is um, super excited about. What a great bunch of folks from the community. What I loved about it was. All age ranges, you know, some young folks, yep. some some folks in middle age, some of our seniors, uh, business owners and residents, and uh, just tremendous. Yeah. What a great group. And uh, the, the theme, two themes that I really hear from Citizens Academy are, number one, wow, I had no idea you did all this stuff. Yep. And what an amazing organization. And then number two is what great people we have. Yep. All of the people that came in that teach, I mean, from patrol to detectives to communications um, to the forensics uh, scientists, just throughout the whole organization, they're like, wow, you have amazing people. And I say, yeah, I know. Thank their, you. Their questions were great uh, this this <clears throat> this session because now that it's my unit runs it and, and this is the second time we've done it and, and the feedback that we get is, yeah. is exactly that. And we didn't realize that Scottsdale had all this that they're yes. doing for the community, which is the whole reason that we have this, right, the right. Citizens Academy. So I shared with them last night, and, and for our listeners out there, I said, you know what's striking, and, and I think why people are so surprised, is that in our society today, we, we have taken all of society's ills, and we've then expected, or in most cases, we've demanded that police departments across the country then respond and deal with those societal ills. And then if we don't do it perfectly, that's when we get in trouble. And so, and that's uh, that's a very, I shared with them, that's a very difficult position to be put in. Uh, you know, hey, the police are responsible for dealing with mental illness and suicide. Uh, they're responsible for domestic violence. They're responsible, obviously, for violent crimes. They're responsible now for the homeless. Um, they're responsible for uh, sexual assault and human trafficking. You know, just the list goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And it's what, you know, the police, what, what are you doing about it? Uh, and so... In Scottsdale, we're doing a lot, and we've talked about that in the last uh, 15 prior episodes yeah. of what we're doing and how we're partnering with the community. And so uh, it was great. It was great to see another group um, graduate. Uh, class 64 will start in the spring, yep. probably that February, March time frame. So we're excited to get Class 64 rolling. Yep. And they can, uh, and if, you're, if anyone is interested, they can just look on our social media or, or um, our website to contact us about it. And here's the thing. This is my challenge is that uh, have some conversation with people out there. Those are of our listeners that know people that um, aren't fans of the police. I, I challenge people all the time is you don't have to love the police or be a fan of the police to come uh, 
uh, join Citizens Academy to learn about the police department. Um, in fact, if I, I welcome you, if you if you think ah, we don't need the police or or I don't like the police for X Y Z reasons, or you've had uh, bad experience with the police in the past, um, I, I'd love to I'd love to have you come out and apply and, and be part of Citizens Academy and see why we do what we do and how we do that. Um, also, for those rec- recognized, we do do a background. We do a quick background mm-hmm. just to make sure that we're not getting um, career criminals who want to learn about how we do what we do. Right. So uh, anyway, so it, it's a it's a wonderful wonderful program, and I love for more people to uh, to apply for it and and get into um, see what we do. Yep. Our chief's guest this month is an anchor, reporter, and multi skilled journalist for Twelve News. She joined Team 12 from KRIS-TV Channel 6 in Corpus Christi, Texas, where she was a morning anchor and reporter. While in Texas, she covered several high-profile trials, including the Hannah Overton case, which involved a foster mother convicted in the death of her four-year-old foster son, who served seven years in prison before her conviction was overturned. A native Arizonan, she is a cum laude graduate of the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication at Arizona State University. In her spare time, she enjoys running, hiking, and cheering on Arizona sports teams. Please welcome to Shop Talk, Rachel Cole. Podcast. Oh, it's, good afternoon. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> it's it's uh, <laughs> great. And and for those of you who don't know, and I'm sure most of you do if you follow uh, news in the Valley, uh, Rachel is a news anchor and reporter for 12 News. And uh, we're excited that she is, uh, she is with us and agreed to kind of sit down and, and chat with us a little bit because I think that there's always um, – uh, you, you mentioned something before we came on or we started recording uh, about how people see sometimes both police and the media and how those two trains uh, are heading in the same direction sometimes. So uh, it's, uh, it's great to have you here because, you know, uh, police and – and media have um, have a, an exceptional relationship and should. Sometimes it can be tenuous, sure. um, but uh, it's it's great to have you here. Well, thank you, Chief. I appreciate that. I appreciate the invitation from Kevin, Kevin Kwan. But yeah, happy to be here. This is my first podcast, so I will preface with that. So apologies if it's not nearly as smooth as some of the stuff that gets recorded and edited. No, uh, it's always going to be smooth. On our yeah, day-to-day yeah. basis at work. Tell us about yourself a little bit. Kind of give us your, your background. Well, most recently, I just got married. Congratulations. Thank you awesome. so much. Yes, so I'm still uh, riding that high. It Good. was uh, the best two weeks, um, the two years leading up to the big day, you know, the planning and stuff, yeah. not as exciting <laughs> and thrilling, right? There's a budget and you just break right through that. Yeah. Um, so how, how recent was it? So it was literally three weeks ago oh, great. in North Scottsdale. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, we didn't hire any police to watch the uh, gift box. You know, people <laughs> have been stealing wedding cards, apparently wedding crashing and whatnot. I've been hearing no about way. that. Oh my yeah. gosh. I mean, come on. This is, this is worse than the toothbrush heads thing. Yeah. Like, let, come on. That's terrible. So anyway, but yeah, it was beautiful. It was all outdoors, friends and family in from Oregon, Texas. Um, and then of course here locally, uh, all celebrated with us. So it was really great to see. And then while they were in town over that stretch, a couple of people got to see me, um, anchor the news. So that's that was awesome. fun yeah, for that's them. Cool. And, um, yeah, just, just been busy. I'm hitting 11 years in the business, um, wow. in January. So, um, it's, it's been a wild ride. It started in Corpus Christi, Texas, and, um, got me here to Phoenix, Arizona, where I grew up. I grew up in Paradise Valley, just off of the 51 in Cactus. And, it's good to be home. Good. 
Okay, what high school did you go to? I went to Horizon High School, proud Husky. Hello, oh, Huskies in the Kevin. house. No, no, no this right one. Yeah. Stop it, yeah. Chief. Yeah, I went, cool. to, yeah, I went to Horizon High School. We won't ask you what year. 88. Alrighty, that's a great year. That's the year I was born. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Anyway, thanks for being with us today. Yeah. That's the end anyway. of the show. Uh, make sure you catch Rachel Cole on 12 News. Yeah, let's wrap it up. <laughs> 88 great year. Right. Yeah, my wife and I graduated from uh, Horizon High School in 1988. How about that? Yeah. That yeah. is fantastic. It's a great school, although, you know, <laughs> the, the landscape has changed quite a bit oh, with yeah. the way the world is today. It's yeah. God. It looks like a prison. The fencing, <laughs> the fencing all around. It felt like a prison during those four years, right? You always tried to sneak out during lunch and the duty aides are like, I don't think so. I know you're going to your Buick Regal. Not a chance. Wait, you graduated from Horizon and then somehow you found your way to Texas. I did, but it wasn't before I had gone to community college okay. and then eventually Arizona State University. Did you go to PVCC? I did. Me too. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, for a year and then I went to NAU. Yeah. Oh my goodness. How funny. Yeah, yeah. PVCC um, took a lot of those, you know, prereq courses yep. and, um, you know, had 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 a car accident, which had deterred me from going to ASU for all four years. Mm-hmm. You know, it was hey, who's going to pay tuition if you broke your leg and you can't work? Right, so right. my parents were like, figure it out, ended up at PVCC yep. and um, and then ASU. And then my first job in journalism was in Corpus Christi, Texas. Okay, great. Yeah. Did you get your degree in journalism? I did. Um, broadcast and mass communications, yes, sir. Okay, great. And then went to Texas. And how'd you start there? You know, um, <laughs> one of my professors at the time at Arizona State University uh, had said, you know, obviously a lot of the graduates want to have jobs upon graduation. And so I had applied for a job in Grand Junction, Colorado, and was in talks with the news director there and was just on the cusp of getting that job when my professor said, don't sign that contract, just just hang on, you know, you might not want to go there, said there's an opening in Corpus Christi. And I said, where is that? <laughs> okay. So Conveniently, I do have family in Austin, and so I was like, oh, okay, well, it would be great to go to Texas, where I have family, even though it's a long drive, it's three and a half hours from from the coastal bend, Um, but long story short, he said, you know, they might have uh, jobs opening, so I had contacted the news director, sent over my resume tape, you know, which was just an array of mildly good, uh, you know, desk <laughs> takes good. and things like that, that I got to do during internships. <laughs> and they flew me out, which was unheard of at the time. This is, you know, almost a year or two after the recession. Yeah, and so yeah. they flew me out and I just thought, wow, if I could work somewhere near the ocean, this would be amazing. And got hired and started January 3rd, 2012, right after I graduated at ASU, December 16th. Wow. That's awesome. Packed up a U-Haul and moved out. It was crazy. 1,500 miles away from parents everything crying, I knew. Parents crying as you're driving nah, away. My dad you was know. like, peace. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Thanks for, thanks for graduating. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. My responsibility to you is done. Goodbye. One left. One left of four kids. <laughs> so it was great. I had a great experience in South Texas. Loved everybody. Great mentors. And I wouldn't have changed it for the world. Yeah. Very, very fun experience. And so then how'd you come back? And so... <laughs> I had moved there under um, the terms that I would stay for two years. I had a countdown app on my phone until the day I could move back closer to family, right? I'm, I'm such a homebody. And ended up staying for two more contracts. So the average contract for any journalist is maybe one to three years, mm-hmm. just depends. Ended up staying there for five years. 
And um, when the time came to re-sign a new contract, it was like, wow, if I don't leave South Texas now, I'll, I'll yeah, never leave. Be, yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't have left that job for anything but one here at home. And so when the, the Phoenix job came up, I was in talks with the news director and they flew me out to do an interview. My dad had actually turned 60 that same week, but I didn't tell anyone in the family that I was coming here to interview because I didn't want to jinx it. And yeah. I was so hopeful to come back home and do what I love in yeah. the place that I grew up. That's wow. awesome. It all worked out. Yep. Back here in 2017. Okay. So you've been back, you know, five years. Yeah. Just had my five year anniversary with 12 news. That's awesome. So what type of things uh, did you like? It's different, right? The coverage in Corpus Christi is completely different than here. Like what, what was your assignments in there? Were you on the desk or were you out in the field? It's funny that you asked that because um, it's quite different than the day-to-day that I have here in Phoenix. And, you know, a lot of that when you start in journalism, you do go to a small forgiving town, right? They know you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. You're very green. Uh, so I was a court reporter, essentially, um, I would go to the courthouse, the Nueces County Courthouse, which took me a little while to learn how to say Nueces, but I've got it. <laughs> and I went there almost every day and didn't know what an affidavit or a docket or any, you know, I wasn't a big law and order yeah. viewer. So I learned a lot of that on the job. And that's stuff that you, you don't necessarily learn in school and developing relationships with bailiffs and judges and court reporters. Um, and attorneys for that matter, and trying to not just tell a story about maybe a trial, but to find out what crime uh-huh. led up to this particular situation, right? Because you, you're not having a court case without some sort of incident. Yeah. So it was very interesting to go to the courthouse on a day-to-day and um, develop those relationships and really learn you know, what the heck I was talking about at 5, 6, and 10 every night. Um, and I did that for about a year until new management came in and got a new news director and um, started doing a happening now desk. You know, what's what's yeah. going on right now in yeah. the middle of a newscast? And that was fun. <laughs> it allowed me to show a little more personality yeah. than a, you know, an 80 second news piece did. And the new management was like, oh, we, we kind of like you on on the morning show. I got promoted to Boom. morning, morning news anchor. Wow. Yeah. On my second year there in Corpus. So. That was very fun. And I did that for the remaining four years along with reporting as well. That's cool. It's very fun. So, you know, one of our goals here on the show is because we bring on a kind of very diverse um, guests, you know, different sure. from different areas. And so but what we'd like to do is we like to then connect them to, to law enforcement and Scottsdale. And, and so can you kind of share with us your you're, you have a you have a very personal connection to public safety, and if you would wouldn't mind sharing that with us, sure, not at all. Um, I think the the main one, of course, is that um, my dad was in law enforcement. He served with the Phoenix Police Department for thirty years, and um, my big brother is also a Phoenix police officer. He's done patrol for most of his career until more recently, where he's become a school resource officer, yeah. and so so that is the the main personal connection professionally. And so daily, you know, we're in touch with police and fire Mm -hmm. and DPS and the forestry department. Um, You know, our relationships professionally with public safety um, really help us shape the, the news and what we're covering and the content. And, you know, while it's great to talk with neighbors and witnesses and people who maybe 
affected by the the scene or situation, it's really the public information officers that help us curate the news and make sure that we're bridging that gap between police and the public right. and, and kind of be in that vein of communication and facts. Yeah. yeah. Is it hard sometimes for you? You know, you have such a great connection to, to public safety with your dad and your brother. Um, and something, is it, is it sometimes difficult because there, you know, there, there are times when there's a, there's a, a story, whether it's uh, Phoenix PD, which you're connected with or Scottsdale PD, cause you live here. Uh, I'll give you an example. I mean, we had an officer uh, who was, uh, you know, I'm very transparent on the show. We had an officer last week who was arrested uh, for DUI, uh, DUI collision in Scottsdale in his work vehicle and, uh, w- but was not on duty at the time, was off duty. And so do you, do you, is it difficult when you wind up, because you have such a close connection to, to law enforcement, difficult to kind of get into those stories or be, um, even more hard hitting or, you know, going after um, when we do wrong. Cause there are times when we, when we do things wrong, is it, is there difficulty in that? You know, you would, you would assume so because it's natural for a daughter of a police officer to want to side with what they know personally. But at the end of the day, my job is to convey to viewers what's happened yes. regardless of my personal yep. um, take experience friendships etc but it's so interesting because anytime there is a questionable situation or a, a bad situation or a good situation right. whether it's a cop shooting hoops with a child yeah. or it's a cop getting a DUI you know I will go to my dad who is who's now retired and I will ask him about that situation And he's always said to me, you know, every day police officers have a series of choices to make. And sometimes they make the wrong ones. Yes. And he never has once defended or said that, you know, because we're a police family or I'm a police officer, we're always in the right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think any one of us can admit that there are many people in our respective industries who make the wrong decisions. And that ultimately leads to consequences. And it is unfortunate, but you do have that ability to make yeah. that choice and you know, you, you don't necessarily get a second yeah. chance. Yeah. To, Ag- to fix agreed. It. You know, and I completely agree with your dad's perspective and yours as well. You know, it's we're you know, we're a profession populated, uh, in my own organization, you know, we have 700 people, uh, 400 of those are sworn police officers and, and they're human beings and they make mistakes and sometimes those mistakes are catastrophic exactly or or across the country we've seen that sometimes those mistakes are criminal in nature right and and, and then and and now and then we face the repercussions of that um the hard part and i shared citizens academy group last night was that you know they're human beings and they make mistakes it's but it's and it has to be as a police chief uh and in the media we we have to be willing to call those mistakes out and say yeah, this is what happened. This is wrong. And then we have to deal with it. It's when we, it's when we circle the wagons in the law enforcement profession and we try to protect something that we should be transparent about that gets us into trouble. Right. Exactly. It's, and it's, and it's natural to want to defend and protect your people, your organization, your industry. But at the same time, you, you have to be fair to the people that you're serving. And for us, it's our viewers, it's our community, it's the Valley as a whole. So you have to keep that in mind equally to what your responsibilities are 
in your respective profession. Yeah, agreed. And, and the hard part, the only hard part for me is that if we get, if all of law enforcement gets painted with the same broad brush, and get, like the Derek Chauvin, uh, you know, from, from Minneapolis, it is, okay, because of what that officer did in this other state, then all police officers are bad, which you and I both know is just absolutely not the truth. And so it's, it's, it's working against then that narrative, which is why we created such a robust community engagement section here on social media. It's why we have people like you on it. So we can have, we can all participate in that narrative together. And so that's what, that's one of the things I love. The importance of having good media relations. Yeah. So that one is, that one is a great kind of, um, hitting home for me, you know, doing what I do uh, on a daily basis. Um, it's, it's difficult at times when we do get inquiries on everything um, when it gets heard, right? As soon as the radio goes off, it's, that's a keyword or, or something the news wants to do. And I know that uh, Aaron and I try to get as much information that we can as long as it's factual. And I think that's the hardest part is like we, we want to give as much to the media to put out, but a lot of times we have no idea what the actual stuff is. And then we feel like, well, they're going to think that we're hiding something or, or mm. what's going to mm-hmm. go out to it that it's, it's just this weird world. Yeah. So for listeners out there in every newsroom, we have police scanners. Sometimes we have photojournalists who have them in their car. So yes, there are trigger words that we as a station will hear. And then we're, we're immediately wondering, okay, what happened? Where is it? We have a crew on the way. And that's our job to, to jump the gun, even if that's what we're doing and get to the scene, the situation and find out what's happening. And then of course, relay that information to our audience, usually on social media, if not the five, six and 10 newscasts. So when we hear those trigger words, we do immediately hit up the PIOs, the public (laughs) information officers. And we say, Kevin, look, we, we need to know exactly what's going on right now. We hit them with an email and it goes to a, a general and a general email yeah. account. And then whoever is on duty that day, we do. We expect answers because we want <laughs> yeah. to then immediately give that information to the public. And, and we do. My bosses, though, will say it is more important to to be right than to be first. Right. And I don't think that every station across the country feels that way, has that mentality. So I really, I really take a lot of pride in that with our team is that we want to be right. Um, and, and have something to give, not there's a situation and we don't have any details, but we'll bring you more. Well, that doesn't help anybody. Um, unless it's of course a public safety issue where we're to stay away from the area, you know, police are investigating just be, you know, so to, to your credit, there are times where we're bent out of shape and we think, oh, the police department is hiding something from us because they won't just tell us what's going on. Well, guess what? If an investigation is underway, if more units are responding, if, you know, you guys are just getting there and assessing the situation, then, you know, there's there's a level of understanding that we need to have that it's not it's not a hide and seek game of information it is a we don't have it yet and when we do we will then relay that to you and so yes we do think that you guys are hiding stuff occasionally (laughs) that's just because we are so impatient sometimes because we're also under deadline yeah 
you know, police departments aren't necessarily under deadline. Right. right. And that's just a different world. So we're just coming at it with a different mindset. Yeah. And we're sorry. You know, so interesting. So <laughs> sorry, Kev. So interesting about that is that um, if you really break it down, we're both truth seekers. Exactly. Right. We're You're, after the you, same thing. But the timeline is different. So in law enforcement, we're truth seekers. We, we, we're beginning investigation. Uh, we, we plod along very meticulously to find, to, to get to what the truth is. And if that takes us a week or two weeks or a month to get to the bottom of investigation or longer, that's what it takes. We have to have a good quality investigation to put before the county attorney, right? Or the city attorney, depending sure. on the case. And in your profession, you two are truth seekers, but you got a deadline that we don't have. Your deadline is like, hey, I need this. I need this by six o'clock. Yeah. You know, yeah. I got, I got, a, I got something going out. And so that's what's really interesting. To- I think with the amount of work that we all do on a regular basis and the new cases that surface <laughs> all the time, or new stories and reports and things, it's there. There's never a shortage of stuff to talk about. So to to dig backwards without any new angle, right? Oh, yeah. In the news, yeah. you're always looking for the fresh take, yeah, fresh the tech, new yeah. angle. So uh, it's interesting to hear yeah. that, that there's some, Oh, there's some, always, some I think, I think that into, one, there's always a fresh take. There's always a fresh take. <laughs> it's always something coming up. And you know, know, you never know. And maybe, and maybe that reporter or that station, that's, that's their beat. That's their, yeah, their assignment. Different. You yeah. know, every station is different. Definitely. And so if that's their assignment, then you know what? Applause to them for, sticking with it. I know it, it can be uncomfortable for all parties involved, but it, someone somewhere has told them to do that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And, and like I said, if we make a mistake, by all means, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm, it's my job. I, I'm the chief. I raised my hand. I said, I, I wanted to do it and I, I need to be held to account for mistakes that we make. And so I'm willing to do that. Fortunately, we have some amazing, amazing employees and the, the colossal mistakes for us, um, the DUI, uh, those are few and far between, but they they do happen. And you should, especially when you're in a city vehicle, you should call us to account for yeah, that sure. behavior. Yep. Yeah, I think um, I think every industry has its uh, bad apples, and you know nobody wants to be categorized in a one big broad group. Um, and I, I don't I don't think there's too many people out there that would argue otherwise. So I mean, not, there's been plenty of disgraced journalists in the world sure, and sure. I, I wouldn't want to be roped in with one of them. No. I mean, I, I wake up every day and have decisions to make and hopefully I'm making the right ones that show respect for myself, my job and my community because I'm doing a service for our community and yeah. I need to do it right and do it well. Not going to lie to you. I, I, I do regularly watch news bloopers on YouTube. <laughs> Are they not the best? Is oh that not gosh. the funniest thing you've ever seen? We, we never even really understood like, like how much you can do until we started filming things and then your brain just goes to motion. You're like, what just happened? And then I, I tell this to people all the time. If we go do a, a, a recorded clip, I know I can screw up. There's not as much pressure. But sure. when it's live, my brain just goes. It's a different like what, vein. What do they just ask? <laughs> did, did I answer it right? Oh, crap. <laughs> Isn't it it, in your head, it's so beautiful and poetic. Yes, yes. And I mean, you guys were generous enough to, to give me the questions ahead of time so I could at least think about it. <laughs> and I go, oh, they're so beautiful in my head. My response is, none of it has come out yet. <laughs> Everything I, ta- I thought about yesterday, it is, none of it's come out yet. So, yeah, something about live yeah. TV or podcast, yeah. you know, whatever it is, even a live Instagram, you, you can look like an idiot. Yeah. And you're like, well... I already come this far. You know, we've, we have talked about, and I thought Angela Harrell from the 100 Club when she was on was great. 
because she she asked us a great question. I, I loved it. She turned it around on us and, and asked us a question about, you know, what was um, one of the most memorable calls or incidents that you were ever on. And so we, that, that bred, I thought, a really great discussion. Yeah. We'd like to throw the same question back at you, kind of talking about what, what, what do you, you have a lot of stories that you've done. Can you talk about one or two that have been really impactful to you, your career, your life, and how you see the world? It's, it's such a loaded question because after 10 years in the business and doing five stories a week for X amount of weeks and years, it's, there's, there, there are a lot to choose from. Um, more recently when I was thinking about this question, I thought about the Westgate shooter in May Mm -hmm. of 2020. Yeah. And there, there are a couple of reasons why that story stood out and why it's impactful to me not only because it was a team response, um, but because I had been assigned earlier in the day to a a DPS story, you know, wrong way drivers. And I was getting ready to do the last part of of my puzzle, my assignment that day. And that was to go shoot um, a part of me standing by the freeway, talking about the stats and whatnot. And I get a text from our assignment desk and it says, we need you at Westgate right now. Well, I'm at the 101 in Thomas. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily close. Yeah. I'm like, oh, geez, like, is there somebody closer? Well, this is the whole team. People who aren't even on duty tonight working are responding to this. And it's active shooter. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, you load up your gear and you get in the car and you just go that way. And you're getting texts and updates on the way over. And I'm meeting with a photographer because we're going to go live and tell the public what's going on. And thankfully, you know, there were no fatalities, but it was this young um, suspect who went on social media, said he was going to attack couples there at the Westgate shopping district and, and did so. And, you know, we get there and part of this good relationship with police, regardless of department is knowing that if they tell us, Hey, media staging is X, you go there because there is a trust that's developed where police are going to tell you where the safest place is. And you need to trust that they know. I know everybody wants to be up against the caution tape and as close to the, to the situation as possible, but that's where we went and we had different teams in different places. But what was more impactful than just the crime itself and and the intensity of what was going on was the parents and the family Mm -hmm. and the friends of the people who were within those districts and those respective businesses who were hiding, who were told to get down and hide and stay there until further notice. And I mean, every police department was responding. The sheriff's office, I mean, you name it, they were there and you have these parents coming up. My daughter just started her first job as a server. Mm. She's in there. And so now not only am I trying to be a journalist and tell the public what's going on when it's my turn, Mm -hmm. because as a team we're taking turns and not, you know, being redundant so that there's clear and concise information being conveyed. But now I've got this mother who's in tears, who clearly is, not trying to do an interview, although I will say, you know, th- those are the moments that we want to get because they help tell the real story of what is going on in a situation. But she was like, absolutely. My daughter's coming. Of course, get that. Yeah. We got them reuniting mm-hmm. after hours of waiting 
and they hugged and they were crying and they kind of like were talking to us a little bit and it's just the the emotional roller coaster yeah. and the intensity of the situation made it a very impactful story to be a part of and to be a part of it with my entire team our team it was it, it was really well done yeah. and i have yeah. to say you know in a lot of our reporting the the police response and apprehension that's one we're never supposed to say because it's not conversational and the apprehension <laughs> of the suspect safely and now that young man will serve 44 years in prison yeah. for what he did yeah shout out to chris briggs who's the chief in glendale and the glendale police department Absolutely. who responded to that uh chris and i are good friends and a great organization and great response 100%. along with the other west valley agencies who responded to that but uh, that's a yeah it's big stories like that because yeah. They're so impactful to other people's lives, and you—I mean, people say, "Oh, the reporters there—they're—they're, they're, you know—they're trying to to break in in a very emotional situation." No, no, that's because the American people want to see yeah, that. They exactly. want to know. They want to be a part of that. They yeah. want to. Everybody wants to, you know, at least at, for a moment, you know, connect with other human beings and see what they're doing. And and a story like that is huge, especially the. The reunification of mom and daughter. What a what a cool thing to see. And she was all for it. Obviously, you know, as a mother, she she was very um, nervous and and but she had been texting with her daughter a little bit, so yeah. she knew her daughter was okay. And that was part of what allowed me to establish that quick and succinct relationship with her. Is that she already knew what she wanted to know, which was, is my child okay? And. Yes, there are times when as a journalist, you need to respect the boundaries of someone who is in a a catastrophic event and and doesn't know how to feel or what to think. But, you know, a lot of times people reach out to us in their darkest times of their lives and and need help. And, you know, in this day and age, a lot of that is we need we need financial help. Can you share our GoFundMe? Can you tell our story? You know, Um, and and we want to do that. It's not a. It's not something where we're like, okay, where's somebody's worst day? Let's go stick a camera in their face. I, we, we do get harassed about that a lot when we are standing on a corner trying to do a live shot or prepare to do our job for the nightly news. And I can tell you for the majority of reporters out there, our intention is not to invade someone's privacy or mm-hmm. private life. It is, yeah. to, it is to help, again, be that bridge so that other families don't experience something or that someone knows what to do in one of those tragic times, however they want to describe yeah. it from their yeah. point of view. You bring up a fantastic point about the, the description. Like when, when I first came back here, all I knew was is how to write like a cop, all I knew is, is this is this is I use the word investigation all the time and and how we go about yes. yeah right, right that's that's how we write that's all we know even though sure. I've been to school and and they didn't teach you that way yeah. learning the verbiage learning the the words and how you guys do such a phenomenal job of translating what we even put out in the news release <laughs> it's fantastic so Aaron and I we get so excited when it's quoted, like our, our words yeah, yeah. are quoted. Cause then we're like, Oh, we didn't screw up. Like it, we actually made it sound <laughs> somewhat normal. It's a lot of pressure, right? It, it's incredible. Yeah. So you guys, the way that you're able to just seamlessly do that is just mind boggling to us. A lot of consultant meetings about that and write, write how you talk is, I mean, there's a book about it. Right. And so we, we appreciate that you guys as, as public information officers and community engagement are trying to understand that the cop talk is difficult for the public to understand. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. and we just want to kind of break that down. Like police say, this is what happened. This is where it happened. And this is the area that you should avoid for your own safety. And we'll get more details later. And hopefully 
I love sooner it. Sooner rather it's, than later. It's translating cop speak. It because, is. You know, really we, is. And yeah. you know, you, I'm sure you know this already from your, your family connections is that we, in law enforcement, we write not for the general public. We write for the investigation for so so that it, it when it goes to court, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's old school, like, uh, and I was too young for this too, but old school Joe Friday, just the facts. Here are the facts. Yeah. On this date and time, I responded to this. Lo- and you wouldn't speak that way. I responded to this location. I contacted the reporting party who identified themselves as, right? That's not conversational. Right. Of course not. They, they will tell us too in school when you're starting to learn your delivery in the news and you're getting that news voice down and whatever. They're like, <laughs> news pretend, voice. Like, pretend like you're talking to your mom, right? Or your friend. You wouldn't walk in the room and say, Good evening, mother. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about my new boyfriend in college and how I'm struggling to make straight A's. And I'm probably not going to graduate cum laude like we thought. Like, you wouldn't talk like that. You So, and and we, we do have kind of a hybrid delivery, I think, for the most part, especially when I'm anchoring a show. You know, I am saying good evening, everyone. And I am bringing them into the show and, and whatnot. But a lot of times, I do try to get to that more yeah. casual. And it's not even like that straight posture anymore yo 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 what's casual. up hey how about yeah. rachel cole on 12 news here hey what's going on tonight throwing yeah. down fat freestyles for you until 6 30 like you never know but you try to keep it conversational yeah. so that you keep people engaged yeah right that's all you want to do yeah they want to connect in, with you right the, they want to yes. connect with you and so we we talk about that all the time which is why and this is going to be my segue because you mentioned in the westgate story the the suspect in that and his social media posts um, but for us, we want to connect with people and you always want to connect with people. And, and, and we tried, we work really hard at humanizing the badge, yeah. um, on social media. We put out spirit of service. We do all these things. We do a, a video kind of montage called I am a person where we take our officers and say, Hey, uh, one of them, uh, Juan Baroom, officer Juan Baroom. And was, it's always so uh, memorable to me because he says, hi, I'm officer Juan Baroom and I'm a Scottsdale, Scottsdale police officer by di- kind of by day and and in my personal life uh break dancer stop it yeah. and he did the and full on the ground it, it spinning awesome. around oh my gosh and we're like that is exactly what we wanted yes. you know he's just a regular person and, but sometimes social media has social media changed the way you've done things in the last decade um, or the speed at which you have to get information out i'm just curious that how social media is impacting um, the the regular the normal media side or legacy media side. I definitely think there's a new level of pressure to get information out more quickly. Um, you know, it, before it was okay. You have until five o'clock to get your story done, and then afterward you'll publish it for your station's respective website. Well, now as soon as you have an assignment, you're encouraged to you know, jump on social media, throw a tweet out um, and let people know what you're working on. Maybe you're reaching out to the public as a whole to say, hey, who's experienced, you know, unemployment issues. Mm -hmm. We need we need a a character for our story, someone directly impacted by a real life problem. And so social media, I feel, has added a new level of pressure, but it has also made us as as journalists more accessible. Um, I think that it has helped make us more transparent. I've seen more behind the scenes with police departments because of it. So it just creates more accessibility for us to our viewers and for them to us. And so story ideas and content can come from, from it. Obviously with everybody being able to be on social media and with there being very little 
rules and regulations right. over it. People can spew whatever they want. Right. Um, but it's, you know, it's our job to gain a following that will help us retweet and, yeah. and circulate the information that we are getting, whether yeah. it is from a police department or from a neighbor who's lost a dog. You know, it's it's created more of a community engagement mm-hmm. and certainly creates story ideas that we might not necessarily have had before. You know, I, I agree. Uh, it, it definitely it creates more engagement. There's there's a there is a there's an upside, right? And there's more engagement. But you used a word that I so agree with and that is pressure. So, you know, we joked around about, you know, I, I graduated from high school in 1988 and in the 80s, right? My heyday, big hair heyday. The news was in 30-minute cycles. Exactly. Right? There was no 24-hour news cycle. So, you know, you wanted to watch local news it was on at uh, it was on in the morning, and then it was on at there was a new uh, noon broadcast, and then there was a five, six, and ten. Right, thirty minutes. Right. Uh, World news tonight with Peter Jennings was like thirty minutes. Then that's it. Right, and so um, today there's and so I, I think about your job during that time period where there were hours hours long blocks yeah. in between any communication. Right, and today for you and for us. I just think the pressure is amazing to get out information. If one of my officers is involved in a shooting, it's where, where's the info? I need info right now. And what, what, what for us? What are we going to put out? What are we going to do? If one of my officers is injured, the the um the arrest of one of my officers the other day, it is okay. What are we putting out? How much are we putting out? When can we put out? And and then we're getting requests. It, there's just so much pressure because we're in the massive information age of social media and media kind of it's kind of crazy and people want it right now so that's a question i do have for kevin is how are you deciding because you have that same level of pressure to want to get ahead of the influx of questions that you're going to get in the inquiries from the media so oftentimes there are uh, tweets and information that comes out that is very helpful to us to know hey you know hold your horses they're on it they're here where is it what's going on so how do you handle that pressure and get that information out ahead of those inquiries. So chief has actually given us a lot of leeway based on the training and experiences and stuff that we've gone to. Um, But you have your team and and we've got ours and I rely on Aaron and commander coffee and, and constant communication to know how is this going to impactful and, and being back here has really changed my perspective on what can I actually talk about? What is the ramifications if I say the wrong thing? thing because it can snowball effect with anyone rebroadcasting it um that it's difficult and it's difficult but like like we kind of talked about like i want to give everything out i want i want to say everything i can um but it's it's just making sure and we have even our news releases um for four eyes go on it because it's that that notion of like we're stating it and when we state something not that it would hold any more value, but we just have that different information mm-hmm. that no one else has. So we better make sure we're right. And that goes back to how we feel and our mentality is we'd rather be right than first. Yeah. And so I'm not quick to the punch with tweets and things like that yeah. because, you know, I don't know what the policies are now, but before you couldn't, you can't edit a tweet. You either have right. to delete it and start over and yes. then it loses its circulation. And so <laughs> it's so important to make sure that it's accurate or that you're attributing it to someone instead of just, well, 
we heard this on the police scanner, which we're not supposed to report that. We need to confirm uh-huh. it with yeah. a department yeah. or an expert or who, whomever and and then get it out. You're not supposed to, well, according to police scanners, this is what happened because, you know, yeah. I, I mean, half the, the scanner's time. scanner's never right. It, it, yeah, half the time it goes out as a, a generic call and then then we get down to the detailed version yeah. of yeah. what actually happened so you can hear even for us we hear you know the emergency tone will go off it's a shots fired call and then if officers are in route it's not really a shots fired call it's a suicide it's a or it's something you know somebody accidental you know accidentally fired their gun it's, sure yeah so it could be any number of things you know it, it's interesting because our goal is um we want to be and i know you and i both don't like this word we want to be very i'm gonna so i'm gonna change it we want to be exceptionally forthright. Um, and so in the past, I will tell you, we had a very, uh, and law, most of law enforcement has, but we organization, we had a very traditional thought process on, on our relationship with the, with the media. It was, nope, we have a PIO here, go through the PIO. And today I will tell you that if you call up and say, call Kevin and say, Hey, would the chief be willing to, to do a, an interview on camera for X, Y, and Z? Um, now if it's not, if I, I say yes. I, I, wa- right, I want to sure. make sure that we are accessible to you and, and vice versa. I want to be able to call up and say, hey, we need help pushing out this this information. And um, by and large, our contacts um, have been very, very good. And so that's that's really what we want to get. I want that. I want that. That T word, that transparency word. <laughs> I want to. Be, I want us all to be very forthright. And so I, that's the change that I think all of law enforcement needs to make is to say, OK, we we're on the same team here. We both want truth. Right. It's just a matter of how how quickly that truth sure. is, is going to get out. And I think that you're seeing some departments starting to thaw out a little bit in terms of that um, that willingness to have that that regular interaction. So I think that's I think that's a positive for us. I do too, and I think it's great that more departments are. I like that thawing out because there there is this tendency to to freeze up and just say, well, we we don't owe you any explanation. That's true. But at the end of the day, if we're all after the same thing, which is not only the truth, but it is public safety right. and pub and public inf- information, then let's inform them together and let's be transparent yeah. and and incredibly yeah. forthright together, so that people trust us. That's what we're after, really. Why do we do our jobs? Because we we want people to trust us and our credibility. So by doing our jobs at that exceptional level and doing it, it together as often as possible and as quickly as possible, then we're going to continue to gain that back yeah. and, and, and retain whatever we still have. Totally public. agree. I think, and, and there are things that, that our profession, my profession and yours, we're, we're working on fixing. Um, there's still going to be naysayers who are never going to trust either one of us. Uh, but I think that there's opportunity and use something interesting, which is you do have police departments who will say, um, I don't have to give you that information or that you're not privy to that, that information or I don't have to tell you that. And I will tell you that I feel that that is mostly nonsense. Here's why. Police departments are the are the protective uh, service and enforcement arm of the people. Media is the information, news, and mouthpiece of the people, right? And so we, we both serve the same public. And so for me, and it was, again, this is going to be speed. Um, everything that we do is public record and we want to put out that information to the public. It's just about the speed. So if, if I, if you hear from my organization or from me, um, yeah, I, I, you don't have a right to that information. 
that's the wrong delivery. It, it, if, if I can't put something out because it's in the middle of a, a criminal investigation, we will say, um, yep, here's what we can tell you up to this point. Yeah. We're in the middle of a criminal investigation. The person we're investigating has constitutional rights. And as soon as this investigation's completed, and we hope that it's completed in a very timely manner, we'll release all of that yeah. to you. Exactly. And I think that um, that auto response of, no, you can't have that, or right. no, we're not going to give it to you, right. enhances suspicion about policing and departments. And, you know, it would be very awkward if I were on the corner getting ready to do a live report and said, well, I have information, but I can't give it to you right now. Please right. tune in at 10. Yes, now we do teases, right? We try to keep you hanging on, <laughs> but, but a tease <clears throat> and, and a tease to a later newscast with additional information or a more juicy part of an interview that we've already done or something like that is far different than withholding information yeah, right. that the public deserves right, to know. Right. So I agree with you. For us in the in the arrest of the most recent officer that was arrested, we, we put out name, information, uh, a wreck, where it was, um, all of that. And then what we didn't release, my call, we didn't release the picture, right? We didn't release the, the photo of the officer. And there are reasons for that. The assignment that that officer is in, um, his picture going out, would some bad people would see that and say, Oh my God, I know who that is. That, that I didn't realize that that was a cop. And oh. that, that, that can cause problems for that person. This, this person made a mistake, but they're still a human being. And I have to do everything that I can do based on their assignment to protect them. Um, and so yeah, I'm sure that you can Google names and all that kind of stuff and eventually find a picture if they're on yeah. social media. But I have a responsibility to, the, to, those, to the safety of those officers, even if they've done bad. I, I wanted to put out a name. I wanted to put out the circumstances. I want to put out all of that information. And when the report, and when, you know, when that investigation is done, then, that's, then, then we'll put that out as well. And, and conveying that is the best thing that you can do. I mean, yeah. while you don't have to explain your job and, and how you do it, it's, it's nice to be open about why you are and are not doing certain things so that at least people can try to develop yeah. an understanding yeah. about the circumstance, yeah. good, bad, or ugly. Agreed. So learning about um, your your experiences and everything that you've gone through, what what is some advice that you would give to anyone that wants to really get into this profession? Don't do it. You will <laughs> fail. No. But, <laughs> oh but, God. but. Well then, uh, if you, all you young people out there are listening, <laughs> I guess you're not going to do that. There's the mic drop. <laughs> if you can hear that, and it doesn't derail yeah. you yeah. from your dream job in this industry, you'll be just fine. Mm. There, there are a lot of people who are going to be that blunt. Mm -hmm. I'm kidding about saying that. Right. But there are a lot of people who will discourage you yeah. and tell you just how difficult it is yeah. and how challenging it is to break in. And if you can't get your foot in the door, then, then you're not going to make it. For anyone listening out there who has an interest in journalism or television or entertainment or radio or newspaper writing, magazine writing, et cetera, just run at it a hundred miles an yeah. hour and do not let up because you will make it. And what you'll be surprised to learn is that it's not just about local news. There are a million things that people who graduated with me do for a living between starting their own production businesses to writing for certain cities mm -hmm. to doing media relations for particular businesses. And then you've got me who like, yeah, I studied, you know, news reporting and now I'm a news reporter, but there are a million different avenues right. that you could take a broadcasting degree, a mass communications degree and run with it. So just 
you know, you, you hang in there and you take the criticism constructive or not. And you grow that thick skin that they've talked about for decades in this business. And you just, you just keep your head down and you just keep running at it. Mm-hmm. I'm terrified now because 59,000 is pretty hot. How do you put the surface of the sun in liquid form? Oh, I feel like um, my insides are on fire right now. Maybe I put too much. The dad might have been, it, while it looked small, it was, uh, maybe it was entirely too big. Well, that was a spicy soundbite from our hot sauce challenge on Chief Talk. If you missed it and you want to know how hot the chief went, you can check out the entire episode on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash scottsdalepd. Now let's finish it up with our four reels questions with Rachel Cole. This is pretty easy. This is our four reels section that we uh, we get into. Um, like for real? For reels. Get yeah. it? Okay. Reels and the yeah. whole pun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty punny. That's like microfish, like reel it in. Uh-huh. That's a good one. <laughs> See, way to, way to oh, bring that, that, that back. Oh, that was a delayed right, one. That's full circle. Way to bring that it. back right from the beginning. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Man, Rachel, Rachel pays attention. Great quick, listener. Quick, quick. <laughs> All right, go. All right. What is your favorite holiday tradition? Ooh, taco night at dad's house. Awesome. Yeah. He makes them from scratch. They're delicious. Fried tacos. Does it have to be a holiday? Yes, sir. Well, that was, that was the question. But. <laughs> This is Sir, supposed to be fast fire. <laughs> so I appreciate <laughs> Rachel's fast fire. Look at always looks at me like, policing fast fire. No good. Oh my God. That's Rachel's like, just answer the question. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, you know, she's got a microphone. There's her camera. That's what I say every time. We're on just, deadline. Just the, answer the, the cameraman's in the back. I don't, I don't know that we have any, you know, tra- you know, normal traditions. I mean, we, we all get together on all the holidays, but I, I you have no memories of any holiday tradition of any one of your works every 52 holiday. years. No, he doesn't. He's the chief. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll edit that well out. Well then. Uh, Do not edit that out. How dare you? Uh, that's, uh, no, you should keep that in. You should keep that in because then people will know why they see your resume out uh, out there in public there. For, for a job. Well, I just so got demoted again. 12, news, 12 news if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Kwan is, uh, is going to be free here in short order by, fr- by Friday. So not fun. Uh, no, I just... You do like, do you do lights? Do you do, I mean, you got grandkids now. So do you do any, yeah. uh, go get a Christmas yes, tree? Uh, so I'll tell you that um, we do not miss, my wife and I do not miss a um, trick or treat. We don't, oh, we don't miss, great. we don't miss Halloween. We, uh, since we've had grandkids, which is a long time, we have five grandkids now. Uh, we go to, we go out to the East Valley where my, where our kids live and we go, we hit every trick or treat. And yes, I push strollers, I push wagons. Uh, and we, we don't, that's a tradition is we go out there and, and I, I trick or treat with my grandkids. Do you dress up? I do not. Oh, goes a cop. <laughs> my daughter-in-law this year said, I, I was going to call you and say, you should wear your uniform. And I'm like, no, I wear that too, yeah, you're too, like, off, too often. I could live is. without the target on so, my back during trick or treat. Yeah, so, so we, yeah. So we do, we do things like that. And we just, we spend a ton of time with our grandkids. That's awesome. So. Favorite candy? Uh, Snickers. Nice. Because you're not you when you're hungry. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Yeah. You should I, get the I, I think Rachel needs Tempe, a, a Tempe different improv. job. Yeah. We, can, uh, yeah. we can hire as our consultant. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> Snickers. All right, what is, your, what is your ideal pizza look like? Oh, that's, that's an easy one. Pineapple and uh, uh, Italian sausage. Oh, 
Oh, you totally went rogue with no Canadian bacon. No, no, no. Pineapple, Italian sausage, extra sauce. Oh, yeah. Okay. You got extra sauce all the way. Mine's pepperoni, jalapeno, mushroom. Jalapenos are fantastic. Fantastic. On pizza. Yeah. You know what I just tried to, and, and uh, as long as it's a light, is uh, add a little ricotta cheese to oh, the base. Yeah. So it's both ricotta cheese and the extra sauce, pineapple and, and uh, Italian sausage, the bomb. All right. What is the best thing? I, I, I got this like food thing going on this week. What is the best thing you've ever eaten at a restaurant? I don't know. Ocean 44 kills it with a filet. It's tough to find a better filet. How? How? Cooked how? Medium rare, please. (laughs) I mean, and I know that upsets people, but come on. Medium rare plus. I'm going to go old school. I love love a great hamburger. And in Phoenix, when I was growing up, there was a a little older, or maybe in the late teens, early 20s, in Phoenix, there was a place called Ed DeBevix. Oh, eat it, Ed's. And uh, they made an, mm. an amazing burger. So I always, my, my wife and I love car trips and love to travel. And so we're always trying to find the perfect oh, burger. Nice. So, yeah. I thought I'd that love. was just a California thing. I didn't know they had them out here. What is the worst sound in the world to you? My aunt, uh, who... <laughs> Your aunt? No, no. I'm going to tell a story. Oh. <laughs> my aunt, uh, who was super cool in the in the 70s, she was a you know, flower power, but my aunt in the seventies, late seventies took us and I was a kid. I was a young kid then took us to the movie, the swarm. Okay. Which, which the movie itself took place in Phoenix. And here I am in Phoenix watching the swarm at probably eight or nine years old. And so it's about, it's about killer bees. And of course, swarming and killing Ugh. thousands of people in the in the city of Phoenix, and so the the worst sound to me is a bee <laughs> right by my ear because I love to fly in your ear because I have PTSD <laughs> from the movie The Swarm. Look it up, see if you can't find it. Like like I you know, it. It, it's in the same vein as like Rowdy Roddy Piper and They Live. You know, anyway. So older movies that are that are that are great, but PTSD from uh, from the movie The Swarm. So I hate that buzzing by my ear well i'm allergic to bees so that sounds horrifying um but i would have to say that that awful screech whether it's a chair being pulled or you know like the the sliding of a fork on the plate for the last scrap i mean just (laughs) just awful i mean i could have early stages of tinnitus 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 tinnitus. yeah Yeah. i can't ask my uh, doctor about that one i can't do green beans because of the sound that it makes. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a waxy, it's, screechy it's nose on like, your teeth. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. It is. I, I, what is that? I like that, that you're like, <laughs> I, it's what I feel like. I can't eat them. You, and you know what? They're delicious, a staple in any Thanksgiving yep. meal. And that is, I hate that too. I, just, yeah, I yeah. refuse to eat them because of that. But it's that, it's that sound of. Oh. Yeah, that's a good sound. And it's a feel. Oh, yeah, there's a that feeling. You a can chew, feel that one. Yeah. 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 Okay. What's your favorite dad joke? You're going down the street and your pedal falls off. How many frogs are in your oven? None, because ice cream doesn't have bones. <laughs> okay, one more. I'm going to pengu- write it out. <laughs> Two penguins are sitting on an iceberg. One falls off. The other says oatmeal. <laughs> What's the difference between a duck, true or false? <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> Chief, that was a lot of dad jokes. I like it. I, I only have one, and I'm pretty sure I ripped it off from a TV commercial. So it's, why didn't the teddy bear have dinner? 
No idea. He was stuffed. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good dad joke. That's all I got. That's fantastic. Do you have one for us? I just do the, uh, what do you call someone else's cheese? (laughs) Nacho cheese. Nacho cheese. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That it? That's all that I mean, I got, you know what? That's a great, that's a great way to end. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. We, we love to be, uh, love to have a lot of fun, be a little irreverent and you were, a, you were a, per, a perfect fit for, for Kevin and I today. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much chief for having me. It was, it was definitely nice to see a different side of law enforcement. Yeah. You know, I know we have a, a separate relationship personally, professionally and whatnot, but this was definitely a opening to get to meet so many people here at the headquarters and, you know, it's just a, it's just a, a different perspective. So yeah, it, it was great to be here. Kevin, thank you so much. My goal is always to leave you with that thought process of every day offers each of us the opportunity to be more in the service of one another. Let's take care of each other. There's too much division and uh, angst and anger out there. Um, all human beings all headed in the same direction. Just uh, take a breath and uh, take care of one another and we'll see you next month. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Shop Talk, episode 16. We want to take this time to wish you a happy and safe holiday season. Remember to be more and take that ride chair or have a designated driver. Do not take a chance with a DUI.